Because what's happening in this day and hour that we live is the enemy subtly, but ever so purposefully, is undermining God's church. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. You have your notes this morning. We actually went through great lengths to change them out because God gave me a different sermon yesterday. So I had the outlines all ready and all stuffed and, and we had them all ready to go and so about 1 o'clock this morning, I finished the sermon. Jay was patiently waiting up so he could put all the notes up there. And finally, about 11.30, he texted me and said, just go to bed. I'll be up for a while. Last week, I talked to you a little bit what I believe God was putting on my heart. And today, as you see in your notes, I want to talk to you about spiritual warfare. I'm not going to get into great depths with it, but I am going to get it to the place to where lights are going to go off in your head. That's what I'm dealing with. Because what's happening in this day and hour that we live is the enemy subtly, but ever so purposefully, is undermining God's church. You say, Pastor, why is that happening? Well, because it has to happen. The Bible very plainly says that in the last days, many will depart from the truth. What's happening is, is God, the Bible tells us, I think it's in 1 Peter, 2 Peter, it's in the Bible. You can go find it. That judgment starts in the house of God. Now, I always thought that was an interesting passage. Say, God, I thought the house of God, you know, was full of people that, you know, that, that, that they just love you and they do this. And God said, I wish that's the way it was. How many have been to church and found some of the meanest people you ever met? Oh, half the church raises their hand. Hmm, Gary, did you see that? You got a lot of praying to do, brother. Judgment starts in the house of God. Now, now let me continue that verse. If judgment starts in the house of God, where will the, listen to what it says, the ungodly and the sinner be? Now, let me take you into the Scripture real quick. The sinner are outside the church. Where's the ungodly? Inside the church. The Bible tells us very plainly that there are many that have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They, now, they deny the ability of God to transform their lives. Because some, some of us lack our lives outside of Christ. I shared this with a class here a few weeks ago. You know, when I was a sinner, I was a good sinner. I'll tell you what, I sinned with all the gusto of sin. Don't look at me like that. You did too. But after you became a Christian, how come we have such a hard time becoming a good Christian? I haven't started my sermon yet, so don't get nervous. Okay? But I am dealing with the reality. And I shared this a couple weeks ago in our Storms of Life series, which I'll get back to next week, unless God gives me a different direction. I shared that, you know, if we were commissioned by a king or a president 
we would stand up and say, such a great honor. But we have been commissioned by the King of Kings. Why do we call it such a great sacrifice? Because the enemy of our souls tries to discourage, distract, dissuade God's people from total commitment. We just got back from Africa. And one of the things that I love to do is I love to watch the hunt. My wife hates it. Those poor little animals are getting killed. Can I tell you, the lion isn't thinking about that poor little animal, except how he's going to look on a plate. Can I tell you something? In our conference room, we have a poster, a picture up there, and it has a picture of a lion in the foreground, and it has a picture of a gazelle in the background. And the, I can't verbatim say it, but basically what it says is every morning on the savannah, a lion wakes up and knows that it has to be fully dedicated to its purpose, and that's to feed. Every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up and knows it has to be fully purposed in its day, and that's to flee. Or that lion is going to have breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever the case is. Well, the difference between us and that animal or those animals is we have a false lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. And unlike the gazelle, God doesn't call us to flee. God calls us to stand. But what the enemy does, because like that lion, he roars out this false perspective of fear, anxiety, frustration, irritation, that we cower down and quit. Am I making sense? How many have done it? I'm raising my hand. I've done it since I've been a pastor. And sadly, I testify that except by God's grace, I may do it again sometime. Because we all get overwhelmed. Let's jump into our notes real quick this morning. Many people in Christianity are not prepared for the turns that life will take. Number one, when you give your life to Christ. But number two, when you decide to give your life to ministry. The ministry world, the church world, is two different worlds. The minute you enter into ministry, the target that's on your back just got bigger. And the enemy's weaponry just got stronger. Why? Because the Bible says if you smite the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. Am I making sense so far this morning? So this is for all of you that are Christians, and this is for all of you that are ministers, that have accepted the call of God to enter into ministry. I read a story about a man who had 42 years of experience in the ministry. And the man came to a friend of his and said, I have found something new. And he began to share the story with the man. After 42 years of ministry, the man asked him, well, how could I pray for your church? And this is what kind of initiated this message this morning. Daniel chapter 10, I've got a lot of scripture, uh, kind of lay out some foundation. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to, underline this in your notes, humble yourself before your God. Your request has been heard in heaven. Why did I say, underline, humble yourself? Because it's not about you. Who has Satan been in war with since the beginning? So all you and I are is the vessel for him to get to God. So the next time I have pastor friends, you know, hey, uh, it's just, you know, it's because I'm putting such an, a powerful message no, you're just the lips that God is flapping to speak. What do you, what do you, you know? 
Oh, you know, it's because of the ministry I am. It's such a fire-filled forefront minute. No, it's the same thing everybody's going through. That's why I say humble yourself. The first thing you got to do is look at this thing and say, okay, God, devil's upset. I get it. He doesn't like you. I get it. But God, I don't want to be Job today. Remember where God said, have you considered my servant Job? God, I was Job last week. Let somebody else be Job today. But how many know that's God's deal? Because God is interested in growing you and me. And as we talked about last week, the only way we can grow is we've got to go through the storms. We've got to go through them, not live in them. So don't be afraid. I have come and answer, but listen what he says. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Now, I use the New Living Translation purposely because a lot of people sit back and think, well, the prince of Persia, what was the prince of Persia done? It wasn't the physical prince of Persia. It was the spirit prince over the kingdom of Persia that was blocking his way. Persia was where Daniel was living. He was waiting for the direction of God because the 70 years of captivity have come to the end, and he knew that, and he's saying, God, what do we do now? He goes on and says, Then Michael, Michael, the chief prince of the armies of heaven, came to help me. I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. What do you think they were doing there, having tea? The Bible says they were battling. And the battle was ensuing to keep the answer, the direction, the wisdom from Daniel. Let's go on to Ephesians chapter 6. Let's bring it more closer to home. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. 2 Corinthians. We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds, underline this, of human reasoning. To destroy, underline this, False arguments. So in your notes, what in the world is going on? Well, let me just tell you, it's not of this world. What you and I deal with on a daily basis is not of this world. I have been in ministry for 30 plus years as a pastor, and I have seen what I'm going to talk about this morning many times over many years And the perplexing thing is always wondering why more Christians don't know or understand spiritual warfare. The answer to the first one is very easy, because most churches don't talk about it. When's the last time you heard spiritual warfare talked about? I'm sorry? My wife just did a class on spiritual warfare a few weeks ago. Ladies, if you're not making the Monday night women's class, you really need to go. This little chick here, she works. Can I call my wife a chick in church? Okay, Okay, then I'll change it from little chick. This wonderful chick here, there we go. Is that better? She works endless hours putting together these things because she knows that, ladies, humble yourselves, gentlemen. You deal with many more times things that we deal with. Women go through things that men don't go through. Well, you women missed a great place to shout amen on that. I got Rick and me up here saying amen. What are you? <laughs> you need to come to those women's classes, ladies. It is a great, you know, I, I told my wife sometimes I'm going to shave my, my, my facial hair and dress like a woman just so I can come. <laughs> nice thing about, okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that sounded bad, didn't it? Okay. <laughs> you guys are amazed at what I say, aren't you? You'd be more amazed if you knew what I wasn't saying. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, I, I'm a connoisseur of leather. I have had my foot in my mouth so much. I can tell you Mexican leather from Spanish leather from Italian leather. I just know leather. What in the world is going on? In all of these years, 
Why don't Christians understand? Because most churches won't talk about it. The second, though, is the most important. Because we won't understand what we don't know if we won't talk about it. Now, I say that's the most important because most Christians are afraid to talk about spiritual things. They sit back with the thing, well, what I don't know won't hurt me. We become, you know, Chamberlain. Well, you know, hey, Hitler's over there. He's not going to bug us over here. Uh, what was, how many months before the bombs dropped on London? Uh, Vince, Chamberlain didn't quite have it together, did he? We had to get a Churchill in there and say, no, no, if we're going to stand, we're going to fight. And so we sit back and say, well, I, you know, if I don't bother the devil, he won't bother you. Folks, that's not what the Bible says. You are already in his sights. Why? Because it's not about you, it's about God. And he knows he can't kill God. So he tries to destroy the thing God loves most, and that's you and me. Are you with me today? That's why the battle rages. That's why it goes on. What it is that is happening when people begin to feel something they begin to sense something that they cannot put their finger on, but readily affects their mood, their emotions, their feelings, to the point that it changes everything in every way in regards to how they would normally live is called spiritual warfare. What in the world is happening? It's not of this world, ladies and gentlemen. Look at me for a minute. The things that you deal with on a daily basis, the things that I deal with on a daily basis. We need to come to grips with the reality that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't war like humans do. So we need to get the arsenal of heaven at our disposal to stand. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. A pastor recently said, I had five different people in our church come to me. They didn't know about each other. But they brought the same report that over the last year, there seems to be a terrible heaviness in their hearts any time they come to church. One described it as a dark cloud descending upon her. It was even mentioned by visitors who, listen, didn't return. This is how the enemy does. He works subtly. You see, he can't stop God. He can't stop the Word of God, but he can dissuade you, discourage you, disinterest you in the things of God by bringing a delusion, a false argument to separate you from those things. Am I making sense today? So let me ask you. Have you ever had an undefined mood envelop you or those around you, maybe in your ministry? Did you ever notice that these times are unusually active during spiritually critical times in the church? When God is doing things, we're praying, we're planning an outreach, we're planning a, a, a move of some kind, how it comes a little stronger, a little more. If you understand what I'm saying, somebody say amen. amen. Remember, saying amen to a preacher is like saying sick him to a dog. It gets him stirred up a little bit, isn't that, isn't that right, Robert? Think about it at spiritually critical times. This is very normal inside the church, especially a church like, like ours. And I love to use uh, Gary Fox's analogy. He said, Pastor, we were sitting down talking when he first started coming to church. I like you because you want to kick dirt in the devil's face. Yeah, I do. I don't like him. He don't like me either. And that's okay because he's ugly and his mama wears combat boots. Okay. The reality today is we have to understand the devil is not on our side. And no matter how much you try to dance with the devil, he's going to step on your feet. Because he's not dancing to your music. Why? 
are we trying to dance in the world? What in the world is going on? It's not of this world, ladies and gentlemen. There are times because of this warfare that it feels like a blanket of suspicion rests upon you. Many can't understand why they don't work together. And they start wondering, why don't I trust that guy? Or even just that heaviness, that atmosphere of despair. Our church, which has always been up for anything, let me tell you some of the things that I hear. Pastor, you think we really should do this? Are we spending money wisely? Pastor, the numbers are down. It's not working like it used to. Maybe God's not moving. Did you ever stop to think maybe the devil is? Because it's the same thing. Take the church away. It's the same thing in your family. I mean, you get up in the morning, and it's a beautiful day. Everything's good. You know, when I read my Bible, the Bible says everything God did was good. So how can we have a bad day when God made it a good day? I, I, I'm not fully understanding that. We get up and, and the wife is happy and we're grumpy. Come on, wives. You say, my house, pastor's the other way around. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Man, I, I see a lot of wives kind of cowering down there a little bit. <laughs> Why is it like that? Well, he, he got a better night's sleep than I got. Did he really? It's the same night. Now, I understand if he had indigestion or something all night long. But, but think about it for a second. What is it that just all of a sudden changes? So, in your notes, what is it that actually happens and why does it happen? Here's some common threads. You find a vague, indefinable mood begins to affect someone, especially if they're in the ministry. They came to church with great excitement, but now it's kind of, I come to church with a little bit of dread. They used to be excited about every aspect, but now they're kind of, Oh, man, church again. I've heard people tell me over the years, I've never felt like this before. Or I've had other people come up to me and say, Pastor, man, Josh, he's jacked up today. What's the deal? He's not himself. Now, I, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but how many fine people sometimes are just not themselves? Yeah, they're just this. They're just that. They're just the other thing. Do you think that maybe the devil's tormenting them? That they're having something happen in their life they can't put their finger on? Am I saying anything that makes any sense to anybody today? How many have dealt with this kind of thing? I can't put my finger on it, but it, it just, you know, there seems to be no reason for why I'm feeling this way. My ministry is declining some ministries even end when this type of warfare comes in. I've seen strong Christians find themselves behaving irritably and even regretting the fact that they got involved in the first place. Normally excited, now they're dispirited. Even their entire ministry doesn't even want to show up because the guy or the gal leading it just isn't there. There's an acronym that's been around for a long time. And I didn't put it in your notes, but I want you because I want you to write it. Find a clear place. And I want you to write F E A R. <clears throat> F E A R. What's that spell? Let me tell you what it stands for. False evidence appearing real. Remember the scripture we read a little while ago in 2 Corinthians? Taking authority over false arguments, destroying false 
arguments. Most look at temptation. They say, Pastor, I'm not being tempted by something. The reason is because we look at temptation as an attack on our thoughts. But let me ask you, does not Satan attack more than your thoughts? He attacks your mood. Why? Because it's our mood that motivates us. It's our mood that demotivates us. The enemy tries to deceive. Now I want you to underline this. How does he do that? By twisting our thinking, manipulating our feelings that we produce wrong actions. It's the whole wrong side of the bed syndrome. As I shared last week, the week before, Pastor, I got up on the wrong side of the bed. Well, mark that sucker so you don't get out of it anymore. Put that side of the bed against the wall. The bed's not the problem. I, I remember reading years ago where, where, where uh, Smith Wigglesworth, it was Wigglesworth or Luther, one of the guys, was in a, in a, in a deep sleep one night. And he was woken up with this, this ugly smell. And this is supposed to be you know, true. It's supposed to be documented. I, I'd never researched it to find out, but it sure makes a good point. He wakes up, and Lucifer himself is standing in his bedroom. What would you do? What, what are you here for? <laughs> the story records that Wigglesworth looked up, said, Oh, it's only you. Turned over and went back to sleep. Let's get into the nuts and bolts of this. Jesus taught his disciples very pertinent things. In one instance, we find in Mark 9, where he's casting a demon out of a young boy. And listen to what he says. This kind of demon comes out only by prayer and fasting. So look at me for a second. So does this mean there's multiple kinds? There's multiple dark forces out there. See, Jesus is sharing with them that there's more than one kind of demon and more than one kind of attack. So why do we sit back and think that Satan's only going to attack our thoughts when he is quite apt in attacking our moods? Whenever God created everything, he created it good. So why do we have bad times? Why when we live, in, I mean, we live, on, we live on the mountain of God, folks. Now, I understand it's over in Israel, Jerusalem is the mountain of God. I understand that. But, you know, Flagstaff, pretty cool place to live. Here in about three months, it's going to get a lot cooler. I tell people, we've got three months to our first snowfall. And they say, don't say that. But think about it for a second. Why do we have bad days? Why do we have the struggles we have? Now, I understand there are physical issues that we all are dealing with. But what about those times that are more common than not, that we don't know why we feel this way, we just feel this way? When King Saul was no longer under God's favor in 1 Samuel 16, what happened? The Bible says that a spirit came to torment him. Jesus told Peter, that he said, Satan has desired to sift you as weak as wheat in Luke 22. And we think, well, what's the big deal about that? When you sift the wheat, it's not just being on the threshing floor. It's not just threshing the wheat where you're sep separating the, the corn, if you will, from the husk. The sifting of the wheat is when they started taking it all off of the ground, all the impurities, all the garbage, all the trash, and they just start beating it to death. How many have had Satan trying to do that to you? The devil doesn't end. He just keeps beating. He just keeps beating. He just keeps beating. This is what the Lord was saying. And you know when the Lord was telling him this? Right before he was crucified. And Peter stood up and said, hey, man, I'm not willing just to fight for you. I'm willing to die for you. And what did Jesus say before the cock throw crows three times? You're going to, or once, you're going to deny me three, three times. 
Peter had fallen prey to the spasm of fear, the attack that caused him to cower even when a little servant girl questioned his loyalty. See, nobody believed that Peter would deny Christ because he was led into false doctrine. No, he still believed Jesus was the Messiah. But he got under that assault, under that attack that caused him to cower in fear. Earlier when Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan, Jesus wasn't calling Peter names. He was speaking to the influence that was trying to govern Peter's life at that moment that was prompting the anxieties of his life. Peter was not demon-possessed. Instead, the enemy was assaulting his emotions, his mood, his motivations, his desires. This is different from the enemy telling us a lie that we can either throw down because it's trying to corrupt the truth. No, he's trying to bring discouragement. He's trying to bring frustration and anger and coldness and suspicion. He's trying to challenge our rationale. Understand, Satan is not some distant or faraway foe. We think of him, you know, as the world projects him as some guy, you know, wandering around a little pitchfork and pointed hair. Not hair, pointed, yeah, things, you know. In the realms of our imagination... The Bible says he is a very real and very present and very near. In 1 Peter it says he walks about as a roaring lion. But let me turn this around because I'm preparing to give you a victory that will transform your life. 1 John 4 says, but we don't have to be afraid. Look at it. What's it say? Greater is he who's in us. The devil's not afraid of you. He's afraid of the one that you serve. Greater is he that's in you. So what do we do to stand against these types of assaults? Just give me about 10 more minutes, and I'll. hopefully it'll transform your life. First off, look at me quickly. First off, do not assume just because you're having a bad day that the devil's dealing with it. Sometimes we have a bad day just because we're dumb people. Where did that come from? Jay, was that, did you put that in my notes? That was, was that free? That wasn't, okay. And folks, I say we're dumb. I'm dumb. You're, we, we, all, we all mess up. We have bad days because we just do dumb things. Look at somebody and say, he's been reading my mail, hasn't he? It's not the devil every time something goes wrong. I, you know, there's a book out years ago called Pigs in the Parlor. It talk, I don't know if you ever read the book. If you know, it's kind of a dumb book, but you know, it talks about demons and doorknobs. You know, you look at a demon, a doorknob. Well, there might be a demon behind that door. He ain't behind the door, folks. He's sitting on the door. He's in front of the door. He's around the door, folks. Nothing personal, but there's demons sitting next to you here in church. And no, it's not your wife. <laughs> it's not your husband. It's not your friend. It's not your. You know, the reality is he comes to church more than anybody. But God wants us to understand something this morning. He wants us to understand how to stand against this. So let's look at some telltale signs. If there's significant change in your life and or ministry, other people notice it. They see the change, good, bad, whichever. You can't put your finger on it. Start looking for a tormenting spirit. Start looking for something that the enemy has done to make his way in. Do your leaders, if you're in ministry in a church, do your leaders have the same sense that there's something going on in your life? Did this begin to happen all of a sudden? Yesterday I was fine, today I'm not. Well, it just happened that last night you said, yes, to pastor, I'm going to do this ministry. Telltale signs. The all of a sudden, there's no explanation. Everything was fine, and now it's this way. What happened? In your marriage. I mean, everything is going just great, and then boom. My goodness. 
Now, if you can weigh out that it was something that you did or didn't do, then start looking around saying, okay, devil. So what do we do? I'm going to teach you how to respond to a spiritual attack. And I left all of this in your notes specifically. I didn't take a word out. First, pray. Listen to me, church. This is going to transform your life if you'll let it. The only thing I hate worse than sin is the author of sin. The devil who is trying to get people to give in, give up, and give out. The first thing you need to do is pray and say, God, I need some wisdom in this. I need to know, God, is this me? Is this the enemy? Because like I said, everything's not the enemy. Is this funk that I'm dealing with? I can't get over this. I can't put my finger on it. God, I need your wisdom. Try to identify. Now, it's not going to be a piece of cake, ladies and gentlemen. Why? Because the devil knows if he's exposed, he can be defeated. The second thing, do you understand what I just said? The devil knows if he's exposed, he can be defeated. The devil works in the shadows. He works behind the scenes. He works in the darkness. He works in the subtlety of life. Second thing, and this is important, listen to me. Talk to, submit yourself to your leaders, your ministry, your church, your Lord, you say, well, pastor, what does that have to do? Because at that point, we are standing against the enemy in unwavering fashion and letting the enemy know, you're going down, not me. Let the enemy know your intention to resist him. Don't cower to him. Don't succumb to the, the assault. Rise up and say, Okay, buddy, you want to fight? Are you ready, Jesus? Let's go. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? Stand there like this. And then step out of the way and let Jesus take control. Come on, somebody say amen in this place. You say, well, pastor, how's Jesus going to take control? Because you stand. James chapter 4, listen to what he says. He gives more grace. God resists the proud, okay? Remember what we started the sermon with? I said, underline, humble yourself. We're going to get to that again. I'm going to capsulize this whole thing in a moment. God resists the proud. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not some great thing I have or have not done. It's about God. The enemy's assault, the war is about God. Ladies and gentlemen, the war in the Middle East, the war that's going on right now is between Ishmael and Isaac. It's between the seed of Ishmael and Isaac. It is a jihad. It is a holy war. It is a war between the powers of darkness and the powers of light. And the war's not going to end until Jesus rides in on that white horse and said, Baby, you want to rumble? I'm here to rumble that's when the war is going to end and that's okay because I'm going to be riding along with them think about it God resists the proud it ain't about you and me it's about the enemy and God's battle has been going on since the beginning but gives grace to who the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Underline it. Resist the devil. And what's he do? He will flee. The third, bring your leaders into agreement. Bring other people into the battle with you. Oh, pastor, I don't want to get other people involved. You better. 
See, over in the book of Matthew, the Bible says wherever two or more are gathered, or excuse me, wherever two or more shall agree. That is found in Matthew 18, 19. Matthew 18, 18 says these words, whatever you bind on earth is in agreement with what's already been bound in heaven. How many know the devil was bound and cast out? He has no authority. He has no dominion. The Bible says whatever is bound on earth has already been bound in heaven. He's saying, are you going to agree with what I've already done? Whatever is loosed on earth has already been loosed in heaven. Are you going to use the power, the weaponry that I gave you? Oh, this is good preaching. Bring other people into it. Call the pastor on the phone. Call prayer warriors on the throne. Call a brother or a sister, somebody that will fight with you and bring them into the battle. Share your concerns. Agree together with them that God desires to stop the attack against you, your family, your church, your work, your job, your finances. Oh, yeah, folks, this is all spiritual stuff. It's all spiritual stuff. Number four. And I want you to grab this, because this is what we do the least. Speak to the situation. I didn't say think to the situation. Every single time you find Jesus dealing with a demon, what's he doing? He's talking to it. He even goes so far and says, tell me your name. Oh, yeah, demons have names, folks. Oh, it's not Bertha and Bart and... Gertrude and Charlie and all that kind of stuff. Well, maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. Depends on what part of hell they're from, I suppose. <laughs> but think about it. Speak firmly to the situation. I even wrote down a little prayer that might work. Enemies of the cross. Who's it not about? It's not about you and me. Enemies of the cross. And then he, we go immediately to Jude, verse 9. When Jude was dealing, when Michael was dealing with Lucifer, he said, the Lord rebukes you. In Jesus' name, we command you to abandon this attack, leave, and then begin to declare your intention. Devil, you're not going to like the day you mess with me. And any future attacks that he would be appraising against you. And lastly, and these two are the hardest ones. Number one, we find it feel foolish. Who am I speaking to? You're speaking to the spirits of the air. You're speaking to the enemy of your soul. You're speaking to the one who has the desire to destroy, kill, and assault. Lastly, as an act of faith, begin to praise God right in the middle of your situation. Why? Psalm 22, we talked about it already. What's God do with praise? He inhabits. He inhabits the praises. And you know what happens? Darkness and light cannot abide together. Somebody has to leave. And guess who ain't leaving? God ain't leaving. God ain't leaving. I don't think you're getting it. God ain't leaving. You and I have the victory. Why? Can you put that back up there, 1 John 4, 4? Can you throw it back up there? Why? Because greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. God ain't going no place. God said you want victory. Stand up, and I'll guarantee every devil in hell will fall down. Can somebody say amen? Amen. By doing these simple things, you will immediately begin to have noticeable change. Why? Because the enemy pretends to be a lion, and he's not used to people standing in faith. He's used to him cowering in fear. When you stand up, he has no choice but to flee. He has no choice. Why? All of heaven's 
standing with you. He has no choice but to flee. But understand, just because you defeat the enemy in faith doesn't mean he won't try to come back. Read Matthew 12, 43 and 46 when you get a chance. As a stand of your faith, regularly meet with one another, not out of fear, but as a testimony of God's victory. But then keep up your guard. Because it's not a matter if it happens again. It will happen again. I want you to look at your notes. I left 1 Peter 6. Did I have that in there? 1 Peter chapter 6. Listen to what it says. Humble yourselves, therefore, before the mighty hand of God. Let me say it again. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. At the right time, He will lift you up. Give all your worries and cares to God because He cares for you. Underline this, but stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. The minute that gazelle on the savannah is not watching, I guarantee Mr. Lion is. If he's not always prepared, he loses. If you all and I, if you all and I are not always prepared, we lose. Stand firm against him. Would you underline that in your notes, please? Stand firm against him. And underline, be strong in your faith. And I love the way Peter concludes this part. He said, remember, you're not the only one going through this. Everyone is going through the same kind of stuff. Everyone is going through the same kind of stuff. How many learned something today? Good. I'm done. Let's, let's stand to our feet all over this building. You know, I, I hope you weren't too discouraged that I didn't continue on the storms of life. We'll get back in the storms next week. You're saying, Pastor, I like that. I need to get my roof fixed. I, I'm not going to bring people to the altar today, but I'm asking the entire prayer team to pray at this moment, if you would, please. And I'm asking you to pray. Because all I'm going to do is we're going to pray, we're going to worship, we're going to dismiss. Because I want you to absorb what we talked about. This is an environment that we live in. Spiritual warfare. You say, man, I knew I shouldn't have become a Christian. You're living in it whether you're a Christian or not. It's just as a Christian, you have the weapons to deal with it. As a non-Christian, you don't. You and I need to understand this battle will not end until that day Jesus rides in. That's when it ends. But we will battle this day in and day out. Isn't it better to know what you're battling? Isn't it good to know what you're battling? Some of you say, Pastor, I already knew that. Good, this is just a refresher course. Get your weaponry back up. Get your armor back on. Some of you, this might be the first time you ever heard this. That's okay. Now you know. Now you know. So we're going to pray. And the prayer that I'm going to pray is that God open the eyes of our understanding. That we can see what we're battling. Pastor, am I going to see demons? No. I'm not talking about that. You may. Gary and I have lunch periodically, and I already gave him the blessed news that one of these days he's going to start seeing demons. He's going to see angels too. And some of you may be, already have. I have. I'd rather see angels any day. <laughs> demons are not fun to see. but <clears throat> They're very real, folks. Very real. 
But I'm going to ask God to open the eyes of our understanding that the next time we can't put our finger on it, that God will shine his light on it. And that we will understand what it is we're dealing with. How many think that's a good prayer? God's going to help us. And we want to help. If you're going through something, you say, well, man, I just call me. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. What's your phone number, Jay? Yeah, okay. <laughs> call. Get people involved. People that will stand with you and fight with you. We're going to pray. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to say it, and you just repeat it back. No, it's not ritual. No, it's not chanting or anything like that. Remember, we speak to the enemy. So pray with me. Lord Jesus, everyone in this building, Lord Jesus, thank you. Open the eyes of my understanding that I might see what the enemy is doing. Because I know through you, Lord Jesus, I can do all things. And through you, Lord Jesus, the enemy has to flee. Open my eyes. The eyes of my understanding that I can see what I haven't seen. That beginning today, I'll be able to do what I've never done. And that is to stand, to resist, to overcome the enemy. In Jesus' name. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.